Are you fit to fly? And before you answer, how do you know? From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Pete Combs with your trusted source for business aviation news. Fitness for duty is a major theme in the safety circles that surround business aviation, especially given the often unpredictable flight schedules we experience in the cockpit, in the cabin, in the maintenance shop, and in the schedule and dispatch center. Saying you're fit for duty is one thing, but are you? Increasingly, there are ways to find out. Greg Farley is a pilot and safety manager for the John Deere Corporation. He's also a member of the NBAA Safety Committee, where he serves on the Fitness for Duty Subcommittee. Dr. Daniel Malikon is CEO of Pulsar Informatics and also a member of the Fitness for Duty Subcommittee. Greg, let me start with you. When we talk about Fitness for Duty, there are some very specific parameters we're including in this conversation. What are some of them? We're trying to make sure that uh, operators and other people in, in the aviation industry understand the science of fitness for duty and that's fatigue, mental health, medical concerns. Provide them with, with the tools to measure and then how to develop operations that, that reflect this science and operate safely. Daniel Mollican, there are some pretty interesting new innovations for quantifying issues that affect fitness for duty. One such tool is uh, the Pulsar Fatigue Meter. Uh, and there are, are tools like the fatigue meter, and, and what the fatigue meter is doing is assessing risk of uh, fatigue-related risk based on the work-rest uh, pattern of uh, the pilots and the, uh, the workers. And what it essentially does is, given the uh, duty times and flight times, scores every hour on duty uh, with a, a quantitative objective measure, uh, and the scores go from 1 to 20, or, or um, they can go higher, but practically we don't see scores much above 20. And uh, with those scores, uh, higher scores worse, more fatigue, and higher risk of, uh, of seeing uh, impaired operational performance or an incident. And, and what you want to do is uh, create a framework within your organization to quantify uh, the risk and to set... Um, thresholds and put in place workflows to mitigate fatigue when it's observed above a certain threshold. And, and that's one part of the story. That is, what is the risk associated with the schedule? But you can give a pilot off, uh, you can uh, off-duty time to rest and recover. That doesn't necessarily ensure that they will show up for their next flight or for their next duty shift rested and recovered. That is, a whole life happens off duty and the things that happen during that time can greatly impact their fitness for duty. And so things that can impact fitness for duty that are outside of the scheduler's control uh, include um, medical conditions, uh, include a consumption of uh, alcohol or medications or drugs. Uh, it could in include things like, I just didn't go to bed because I stayed up uh, binge watching my Netflix episodes. Uh, and so. There's a, it's a two-sided coin where one side of the coin is the company's responsibility. We provide schedules, flight schedules and duty schedules that provide for adequate rest opportunity. And the other side of the coin is uh, given the time off as professionals and as pilots, uh, we uh, prioritize uh, sleep and, and make choices so that we show up uh, for our, our duty shift fit for work 
and uh, with the intent of being fit for the entire uh, duty shift. So there's another metric by which you can measure that sort of fitness for duty beyond mere fatigue. And if I have this right, the initials are PVT. What are what is PVT? So uh, PVT stands for Psychomotor Vigilance Test. We we call it PVT for short. And what it is is an objective quantitative measure of your behavioral alertness. And it really is a, a global gold standard accepted validated uh, metric that provides us with a number uh, about how alert you are. And so, um, and, and that changes everything, having an objective quantitative number. Can you imagine going to the doctor for your annual checkup and the doctor saying, I would like to uh, check in on your cholesterol. On a scale of one to 10, how do you feel about your cholesterol? And you would say, I don't know, a seven. And, and the doctor would say, well, I'm going to write that down in your chart. We'll see you next year. We would all die of heart attacks if that was how that worked. But instead, we have an objective quantitative measure to measure our high density and low density cholesterol levels. And we track that over time. We optimize it with uh, different behavioral regimens and medications if, if it's a problem. And, and that's an example of a hard objective quantitative measure. And once you have that, you have a framework to uh, check in on the status and to uh, change the way you uh, operate to optimize that number and to mitigate any uh, uh, fatigue deficits and, and, or alertness deficits. And so uh, what makes the PVT so special is that there are no learning effects and there are no aptitude effects. That is, it doesn't matter how smart you are or how much education you have, that's not going to impact how well you do on a PVT. It's a measure of how alert you are right now at the time when you're taking the test. And it doesn't matter if it's your first time doing the test or your thousandth time, you're not going to get better at it. This isn't like Super Mario Kart where, you know, my kids play it and they're really good at it because they play it over and over again. And I'm terrible at it because I don't. That's a practice effect. You're not going to get better at the PVT each, with each administration. So there, there's no um, learning component. It's sort of like the patella reflex. The patella reflex is a, a test done by the doctor when you go uh, for a checkup, and what they do is they strike the patella tendon just below your knee, and they're looking for that reflex response. And um, it doesn't matter how much education you have or how smart you are or how much you practice that reflex, uh, we don't say to Bob, hey, Bob, we're going out after work. Uh, would you like to join us? And Bob, and Bob doesn't say, no, I got my patella reflex test tomorrow. I'm going to study up on it because I want to do a good job. None of that's going to help you. It's a, it's a test of the status of the health of your neurobiology, and that's why the doctor does that test. And in the same way, that's what makes the PVT so special is it doesn't suffer from uh, aptitude differences and, and learning effects. That makes it a very useful measure that's operationally valuable. So I, I, if I can... I I'd like to go back on, on Daniel's statements from an operator's perspective. Four years ago when we started putting a fatigue risk management plan into place, um, we looked at biomathematical tools that, that could be used and um, we, we started using a, a Pulsar's fatigue meter that integrates with our schedule and it, and it works really well. And it was really interesting, the, the first times we started seeing this data from operating around the world of how we used to say, oh they're, they're going to get rest because they have this amount of time off, or these days. We saw the world in days off. And, and we couldn't realize how wrong we actually were when we were looking at these around the world trips, going, okay, they may have a day off, they don't have sleep. There's no eight hour sleep opportunity. And so when we're looking at the program, we are looking at, I don't count days anymore, I count sleep periods. 
how many seven or eight hour sleep opportunities is this crew getting as they're transitioning circadian time zones and, and after these extended wake periods. And it really was a, a, a game changer for how we could visualize and see how rested our crews were doing. And then, then you add the benefit that now we're getting a quantitative score that, that gives us a number by which to make decisions. And, and, and the way that we use the tool is we don't alter the sleep that is predicted out of the program because that gives us a more constant number. And, it, and you, we could shift it to maybe reflect this pilot and that pilot, but now the, the score number is no longer consistent across the board. And so now we can make decisions because this trip is, uh, scores us a nine, we can make decisions and we can make a consistent decision every time that trip scores a nine. And from my perspective, I'm very excited about the PVTs coming down to be able to be deployed at the flight department level. I think it, it's the next generation in this. And if I'm not mistaken, these, these tests can also, you alluded to it, but they can do more than just measure alertness deficits due to fatigue, correct? Right, so uh, one feature about the PVT is that it's sensitive to anything that will result in an alertness deficit. And fatigue is a very important factor or cause that would uh, result in an alertness deficit. But there are other things, uh, medications, like for instance over-the-counter uh, allergy medications that have antihistamines, uh, um, opiates, uh, pain medications, uh, 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 sleep disorders, sleep apnea, uh, can be associated with alertness deficits and, and would be measurable uh, with the PVT. So there's a lot of ways you can have alertness deficits and the, the PVT is sensitive to any of those ways. Including the other two components that, that we're now going with an, under the Fitness for Duty Working Group, which is really making Fitness for Duty about fatigue, mental health, and medical health and saying everything else is either a consequence or a contributor of these three facets. We came out with fatigue risk management plans, and, and I think a lot of operators embraced them and, and have moved to them or are adopting them. And as we move, we're looking at now we're wanting to not necessarily change the game because it, it's all modeled on the fatigue risk management plan, but we're going to a fitness for duty risk management. And so in the PPT, I believe fits really well into that because what we're assessing is your alertness and your vigilance. And the origin, whether it's whatever is causing that is a fitness for duty concern. Let's get you help if we need to from the corporate or operator standpoint. It, it, it doesn't matter to the company what the root cause is, but we need you to maybe not, you're not fit to fly. What help can we get you to get you back to being fit for duty? And, and, and so most likely the origin is, is going to be fatigue, but something causing that fatigue, whether it's medical, mental health, or substance abuse. But the end result is we need to correct whatever's causing this. For more information on Fitness for Duty and Crew Rest, go to nbaa.org and search for an article called Fitness for Duty about more than physical considerations. There you'll find a great article and links to the Fitness for Duty policy template, NBAA's top safety focus areas and foundations for safety, and other NBAA safety resources. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan podcasts at Apple's iTunes website or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Pete Combs. Thanks for listening to Flight Plan.